0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft chaff This is episode number 121. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher.
1: How's it going, dude? You sure it's not episode 120? I could have sworn that I saw a thing in the in the in the doc that said 120. What, what episode are we on?
0: No, it's definitely 121.
1: Uh, let me let me start counting from the start. Um, <laughs> I have these all up in front of me anyway on all these sheets. One, two,
0: three. All right. So four. <laughs> <laughs> this week we are. Back to Flavortown. But before we do all that, of course, our usual housekeeping. If you're not running the Discord, check that out. It's the best place to go to chat with us, chat with the rest of the aficionado community and discuss things like trophies, discuss your picks and all sorts of things like that. The link to that is in our episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week and shout out to Chris for joining last week. Thanks so much for your support we really appreciate it keeps us doing this every week perks over there include things like our draft doctor series stickers show notes our pre-show recordings and our draft Chaff hero cards sign and sent to you. so we'll get that out to you chris
1: yeah the discord really has been popping off a lot of people have been putting really interesting picks in there and, and a lot of cool uh, a lot of cool dmu stuff uh, i myself have been flooding the channels with midnight hunt stuff that no one really cares about them, but, but I love Midnight Hunt so much. And uh, I've been kind of on a trophy haul in there. So, anyway, uh, join the Discord, talk magic with us.
0: All right, on to our Cracker Draft type thing. Then it looks like this is not Midnight Hunt. So, <laughs> walk us through this Cracker Draft.
1: You know, I, I actually couldn't bring myself to do Midnight Hunt. Twice in a row because <laughs> we did one last week. I figure we'll do a spooky one next week. Uh, in fact, I might actually get like a physical pack. Uh, I've, I've always dreamt of getting another one of those um, alt art Ren and Sevens, the, the the amazing Halloween themed one, because uh, that that would honestly make some great Halloween themed decor. No, here we have Dominaria, uh, and we're going to start things off with an idyllic beachfront, the blue white land, solid stuff. Um, you definitely want it in domain, and it's probably going to be one of like. It's going to be in the top 50% of picks in this pack, but not for first pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, these lands you typically want early, but I'm not going to take them first pick.
1: Next up, we got Volsha Tide Turner. This card just, I have never really seen it do anything. You know, it's just a little bit awkward. Very, very, uh, this is what we call a short vector length card. You can clearly tell what direction it's trying to point in. Uh, it just doesn't point very far. Same with Vanquisher's Axe, which is up next. Just, just not very good. Now, here's a banger. Shadow Prophecy. Uh, Yeah. You rarely get multiple of these. I mean, Shadow Prophecy is is great. Every domain deck once. I I'd usually play exactly one, and then I usually wind up with other random card advantage stuff, but that's usually because I only have the opportunity to take one. I, I'd probably play a handful if I could.
0: Yeah, definitely the pick so far, and a card that I think we were both a little low on at the beginning of the format, but it it's uh, earned its place
1: dig main through time
0: maybe get out
1: all right next up pixie illusionist the uh the little domain sort of matadoric uh, the uh 1-1 flyer i've seen this card played less and as the format has evolved i think it's still fine i mean it's it's sometimes just a 3-3 flyer but i don't know i think there's better options and as people have gotten smarter about how they take lands i think this has been less necessary as the format has evolved yeah, I used to use it as a way to like off splash in my blue
0: decks. Um, but you're right. There are just a lot of ways. Like if you just prioritize lands a little bit better in your in your draft, you're, you're going to rather have the land than this in most situations.
1: Next up is Meteorite. I have not actually gotten to play Meteorite in this format. And I think that's a good thing. For a while, I kind of forgot that it was a common. I thought it was an uncommon. So uh, yeah, but I, I you rarely see these. And when they do come down, they barely do anything. I mean, if you're stabilizing against like an aggro deck, then a five-mana like kill one of your opponent's things probably isn't going to be good enough anyway. So th- this just isn't that impactful of a card. Impactful in italics, I guess. Next up is Mesa Cavalier. Solid little flyer. Good in the uh, blue-white or more aggressive white decks, but, you know, it is just a... Uh, <laughs> it's no inspiring overseer, we'll say that. I'm probably still taking Shadow Prophecy above it. Yep. We got Jaya's Fire Firenado. A quick little rant about five-mana deal fives, because there's one in every set. Uh, I think people write these off a little too early and you, you should really consider the texture of your deck before you write something like this off. Uh, I think if you are short on removal in like an aggressive deck of any kind, it's totally fine to play one to two copies of a of five out of deal five. Because think about it. What's getting in the way of your smaller creatures? They're four or four. Right. So you untap, especially when you're on the play and this thing just kills their four drop or I guess their five drop, depending. And then you just usually swing for lethal. I mean, th- this will end the games when it works. Uh, and this one even has scry one stapled to it. So if the game keeps going and get a little bit of a bonus. Maybe find that pump spell.
0: I totally agree. I am one of those people who writes these off too early, and every time I do, I'm like, this is better than I gave it credit for. Fire NATO is one of the situations, like Dominar United is a situation where I definitely wrote it off too early, and it is better than I gave it credit for, especially with all the walls and the ability for aggro decks to actually weirdly stabilize in the mid to late game and kind of just like gum up the ground waiting for an opportunity to attack for Lethal. Mm-hmm. Fire NATO is exactly what the top ends of those decks are looking for to clear the board and get you in for those last points of damage. And uh, yeah, I think it's very, text, very contextual for the set though. There are a lot of mm-hmm. sets where these are just pretty bad, uh, but there isn't a ton of great removal at common for cheaper mana values in this set.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, the effect that I'm talking about, a good pump spell will do the same exact thing. Uh, or yeah. like a Destroy Evil will do the exact same thing as this card, but you don't always see them. And if your deck is desperate for it and you're, like, already locked into the Vector and you really need a way, you probably should have at least one of these so that you don't just get, I don't know, blocked entirely by a gibbering barricade and then you draw your whole deck while they drain you out. Yep. Next up is Elfheim Worm. I really liked this card in the first few weeks of the format. I have since gone down on it quite a bit, which is sad because it's such a pretty card. Just 5 out of 5, 4 Vigilance Trample. Just, ugh, what a, what a nice text box. But, um... Yeah, definitely lower on this card. I like it about the same amount as Shadow Prophecy in my own personal love of the cards ranking system. But you're supposed to take Shadow Prophecy over it. Definitely. And our last comment is Artillery Blast. Solid white removal, especially for the, uh, well, in in particular, the domain deck is what wants this. It's funny that you can be in domain and not really be in white at all. You could be in like Sultai domain and then just see Artillery Blast and be like, yep. We'll take that.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a great little card that I don't expect to see in white in most sets. Like, yeah, it doesn't get things like this. They get they get cards like they get the removal that kind of functions this way, but they don't get something that has the utility that this does in terms of just being able to slot it into any deck.
1: Really? Yeah. The fact that it's domain based, it's kind of strange. I I, I don't think you want to take this first pick. I'm taking Shadow Prophecy over it, but this is one of the better cards in the pack for sure.
0: Yeah. Plus, the art is great.
1: Oh yeah, it's pretty sick. I was going to mention Jaya's Fire Nado has some pretty cool art too. Now, uh, speaking of cards that you don't want to take, how about Yosha declares war? Quick, uh, name one of the one of the chapters on the saga without looking. Chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe one of them involves tapping an artifact to deal damage. Um, maybe I don't know. You could have told me this was a Kamigawa card, and I would have believed you. I don't I, know. It does have what appears to be a dragon on the front, and uh, I think it's got some doctor things and it has artifact stuff. The, the the templating and design almost does feel like it'd go better in Kamigawa. But anyway, uh, this card is just not really for this format. A little strange. I mean, maybe at some point, I guess I'll put it on my DMU bucket list to have the red green rare. I think it's maria the, the red green 3-3 legend that cares about uh tapping artifacts you controlling like non-token artifacts and then i guess a few copies of yosha declares war i mean you'll get all the ones open at the table because no one else wants them and you'll get all the vanquishers axes you can want but then what are you doing drawing into more vanquishers axes in yosha declares war I, I don't really know uh, i would probably just go with something like rada our next pick who is solid just a, a big beaver
0: i th- think i'm still taking shadow prophecy over rada but A good domain card early on is not a bad thing because domain's one of those types of mechanics
1: where you can spend the rest
0: of your draft making sure you get it.
1: Mm, Yeah. Uh, I do like Rada, but she doesn't really provide card advantage. She's not a two-for-one in any way, so I'm I'm going Shadow Prophecy over it. Next up, our last uncommon, weird little pump spell, Join Forces. This is the two and white one that untaps two creatures and gives them both plus two, plus two. I haven't really played this. It's just kind of a worse rate than most of the pump spells. I could, I don't even know. This would be better in formats if you cared about like targeting or untapping your creatures a lot, which I guess you kind of do with enlist, but it's not like you could enlist and then attack and, or like enlist, cast this and attack. It's not like you're, I don't know, it's not like you're buying yourself an extra attacker. You can get an extra blocker, but then uh, an extra two blockers. I don't even know. But then it's a pump spell that you're only using for blocking and it's not even that good of a rate. I don't know. This one just, again, A very particular vector, just not very strong in that direction.
0: I kind of think of this card and cards like this as really good sideboard tech in the aggro mirror where, like, you're just racing and your opponent attacks you and you untap the creatures you just attacked with, eat their creatures, now they're behind on the race and you get to swing in again without worrying about the crackback. And that's, like, the only situation I think these cards are ever playable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe with some, like, lifelinkers or something or that, I don't even know. It's just there's better options it's uh video. so out of all that stuff probably on shadow prophecy right yes okay uh we're just gonna throw all that away because there's an archangel of wrath all right it's a fairy table time <laughs> 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 no but actually I, I love archangel of wrath i've been playing it in standard saffron olive came up with a uh like a mardu angels deck that lets you kick archangel of wrath it is so sweet it has lisa from um midnight hunt where you can just like, if if Archangel dies, you can get it back and then re kick it. It has some stuff with uh, Sarah Paragon too, letting you play um, all sorts of nonsense, like other angels. You can play Inspiring Overseer from your graveyard. I mean, or uh, uh, Kiki Saga or Wedding Announcement, like from your graveyard. There, there's a lot of really sweet stuff in it. Uh, that being said, it's obviously just the best card in the pack by miles and you should always take it. You should never pass it anyway.
0: Yeah. On to our Teferi Tibble. This is our <laughs> roses and thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low for the past week. Why
1: don't uh, you kick it off? I'm, I'm very interested in the way you wrote your Teferi Tibble in the show. Notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I'll start with my, my Tibble. Um, had to go into the, uh, the dermatologist this week for, for a little, just a little light surgery. It's no big deal. Never fun. But, uh, both my, my, parents, that their families have a whole big skin cancer history. So uh, every once in a while, I got to go in and, and have them take a look and occasionally do some things. And uh, that wasn't very fun. It never is, uh, uh, especially because the thing they were looking at was in my beard. And now I have a little hole in my beard. <laughs> so <laughs> not cool. Anyway, uh, I, I got to take that day off, which was good because I really needed it. School has just been overloading me. My students are great, but they're um They're dedicated sometimes at the wrong time, and they'll be like, oh, I got to come in right now and and get this work done. I'll be like, please let me eat my lunch. (laughs) I I get 20 minutes for this. Um, My Teferis this week, the day off was good. I got to relax a little bit. got to enjoy a a day in spooky season, Uh, jam some midnight hunt, which I love on Arena. And uh, we we got to draft Infinity, uh, which was really, really fun. Infinity was such a blast. I got to eat pie. Uh, I got to like part of
0: a magic game. Let's throw that like, specific. yeah, yeah.
1: I got to resolve pie eating contest and win the game. It was sick. Um, it was honestly a good time. Although we should probably tell the story about what happened. Uh, we'll, we'll tell it after I have a whole section for it.
0: All right. So then my teferi is that I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's kind of it. Like I'm just feeling generally just pretty good. Like I've been in the gym, for the last few months and starting to kind of actually feel like I've been in the gym. You know, there's usually a bit of a delay before you actually see actual results on your, your physique and the way that it impacts uh, like your body, how it feels and everything. So that's, that's been good. Um, but I'm also kind of feeling bad, which is my tibble. And that is uh, very typical for me of the last few years. October is my favorite month of the year, but for some reason, As soon as like, no joke, October 1st, my anxiety spikes. Like I just start having anxiety problems all month and it'll last Hmm. all month. And then November 1st will hit and it'll be gone. And I don't really know what the deal is, but it's been going on like this for the last three or four years. And Hmm. yeah, so October's typically just a bad month for me.
1: Maybe some rough trick or treaters in your neighborhood. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not yet anyway, but uh, I don't, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I'm always just feeling like a little bit worse than I could be in October at least the last couple of years. So I don't know. Hopefully that's not a trend that keeps up for much longer, but hmm. it's going better this year than it did last year. So we'll, we'll say that.
1: Uh, here's a potential way you could test this hypothesis. You could intentionally have an awful October this year. And then next year, if it gets any worse, then you'll know for sure, because it'll be an even more extreme outlier.
0: Yeah. I think I'm going to not do that, <laughs> um, but that's okay, okay. I, I appreciate, I appreciate the, uh, the advice there.
1: <laughs> so, um, A listener question for the week is a question for the listeners. Folks, feel free to submit listener questions in the Discord. We love answering stuff, uh, whether it's about the current set or anything else. But this week, I have a question for all of you. So uh, you may have heard it's Magic's 30th anniversary. Uh, if you want, you can go out and spend $1,000 on like four-ish cards, I think, and they're probably worth nothing. So that's that's a great way to celebrate if you have a free uh, $999. But um, th- there were some other promotional deals going on out there, especially some on Amazon. And this got some folks on Magic Twitter riled up because, you know, it's Amazon and they're claiming that this is the 30th anniversary and they're saying that this is something to celebrate with your local game store. And as we know, your local game stores, when kind of these large distributors take away their business, they tend to go under. And I I know Zach and I, we can both name a handful of local game stores we've gone to in the past that are no longer there. And it can be hard for those, uh, those types of shops to stay open. That being said, um, I have a bit of a, not to rip too far off LR, but I guess we could call it a genius or a grifter. Uh, We'll have to come up with some some draft chaffy name for it. But the idea Maybe is before
0: Luis sues us for trademark. Right
1: <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm more curious just uh, to the listener what your thoughts on this is. Uh, this week they were selling set booster boxes of Midnight Hunt for about seventy dollars. Set boosters usually go for one hundred fifteen and Midnight Hunt is one of my favorite sets of all time. Uh, I love the aesthetics, I love the imbalanced format, and I love proving that it's not actually that imbalanced when I trophy with red-white spells decks. So I don't know, I, I, this this set is just really special to me and I love it very much, and I've kind of wanted to make a cube out of it or something. And when I saw the set boosters were only like, discounted that much, I was thinking, well, wait a minute, I should just go in on this. So I'll admit that I did. And uh, it's kind of going to become my own little personal Midnight Hunt cube, and maybe I crack something like a meat hook Massacre in there too. Uh, so the question is, am I morally bankrupt now? <laughs> because on one hand, yes, I could have probably bought this from a local game store. And on the other hand, uh, well, I guess on the same hand, uh, I, I really despise, uh, Jeff Bezos as, you know, like an entity and I, Amazon, um, what, what it represents and everything along with that kind of sphere about the, uh, sanitization and conglomeration of things that we know and love into things that are sterile and plain and useless, uh, I don't know. Amazon rubs me the wrong way, but it was also like a $50 discount, dude. I'm a teacher. <laughs> like, well, what do you think?
0: All right. So great question for the listener. If you don't want my input before you come up with your own answer to this pause here, cause I'm going to give some input. Um, but basically, okay. So I've got a lot of thoughts about this. I am not as big of an, uh, how do I want to say this? I, I don't, have such antagonistic views toward Amazon as you do, which is kind of cool because we're on different, not entirely different sides of the spectrum. I agree with you on a lot of what you you, you feel about that. But um, a couple of things. First of all, uh, Amazon is not the only distributor that sells on Amazon. There are actually a lot of like individual people who sell on Amazon and other companies, including local game stores that can sell their, their product through Amazon. You as a consumer don't necessarily know who you're buying from until, unless you actually try to dig into that. It's not terribly difficult to find that information, but it does require extra work and 99.999% of people never do. Um, Even the like buy now or add to cart button where you see the price changes very quickly. It's like an uh, almost like a bidding war type thing for what they call the buy box share to show which company's product or sale Mm -hmm. or whatever is actually showing up in that box on the screen. Um, Anyway, so there's that. You might've bought it from a a local game store and not known it. Uh, The other thing I would add to that is if you really, really care about like putting, I guess for lack of better phrasing, putting your money where your mouth is in terms of like giving back to certain causes and such, you can use smile.amazon.com where you can tie a specific charity of your choice to Mm, your Amazon purchases and any of your, uh, any of the purchases you make at no additional cost to you, Amazon will donate money to that cause that you've selected. Um, so that's kind of a way to offset that. If you do feel grimy about buying through, uh, through Amazon, um, also you're taking a gamble because like a lot of magic product on Amazon is, uh, doesn't come, come properly sealed and everything. So that's mm, something to, yeah. you know, also kind of chalk up to that. Um, yeah, I don't think you're morally bankrupt for using Amazon. I use Amazon all the time, so I'm a little biased in my response there, but, uh, I do think there are ways to offset some of the the problematic things that i guess a company like amazon represents
1: Mm -hmm. i guess on the other hand i also do just spend a lot of time and money at my local game stores um i mean the bearded dragon in 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 new jersey is a fantastic local game store we're lucky to live so close to it and um you know I, i i certainly buy a lot of my magic stuff there too this is kind of like a rarity for me uh I don't know. Very curious to see what the listener has to say about this. Uh, maybe just toss it in like the random section.
0: All right. On to our main topic. And again, we're back to Flavortown. We love to do this. This is a recurring episode, every single set where we kind of walk back through that. Ben, I'll let you give our usual intro, but yeah, we're back.
1: That's right. Flavortown is as always your destination for all things fun in form and function. And Dominar United has some pretty interesting cards. Uh And we have some thoughts on the overall ideas of presenting these cards this time around we also want to talk about some of our favorite cards our favorite art flavor design mechanics uh in the context of limited because we've updated our thoughts on them now that we've gotten to try them out a bit but first of all one of my favorite topics uh in in our flavor town episode and one that we usually get some pretty fun feedback about Let's talk magic story. So this one, this is what's been building for a while, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of the Tours scattered across the multiverse. Uh, but now we're, we're finally getting to some of the bigger ones. So it opens with Karn. He's hanging out in the caves of Koilos, and I assume he might have tapped for a little damage here and there. Uh, but apparently he's been digging around for information about the Silex. I think it's the Golgothian Silex, or maybe that's a different Silex. Anyway, it's a magic soup bowl thing, uh, and it can one-shot Phyrexians.
0: Yeah, so he he found this thing, and the thing is, he knows when it was last used, but has no idea how to activate it himself. So he's kind of digging around. The Caves of Coilos on Dominaria are like this treasure trove of random Thran artifacts. So he's just like digging around, trying to figure out what's up and how to use this Silex thing. And while he's digging around in the Caves of Coilos, he comes across this like workshop, which has some similar... Uh, in car- like carvings to those found on the Silex. So he's like, hey, maybe this will help me figure out how to activate this thing. In the meantime, while he's like looking into this stuff, one of his like digger digging robots like unearths a cave that essentially is just covered in Phyrexian oil and uh cables and all sorts of stuff. And Karn's like, Aha, they are here. Mm-hmm. Because up to this point. Karn's been trying to convince all of Dominaria that the Phyrexians are in fact on Dominaria, and nobody believes him.
1: Poor Karn. So, uh, just like the dwarves of old, he does dig too deep. He busts into the lair, and uh, there's some scuffles, but he eventually stumbles upon Shieldred herself, who seems to be a little messed up, probably in recovery from the Planar Bridge. Uh, Karn summons a bomb, <laughs> which is just <laughs> really funny. Like, you know, there's these other planeswalkers. Teferi can bend time. Jace can mess with your mind. Jaya can shoot fire. Uh, Karn, like, assembles a bomb from midair. <laughs> and he, like, handcrafts all the intricate parts of it. And he's like, this will probably be good enough. Uh, and he nearly just nukes Shieldred as she's in recovery. But uh, Rono kind of brings the entire cave down on top of them. Karn is pretty much pro Phyrexians. Like, he is he's indestructible to Phyrexians. Uh, cuz he's had some dealings with them in the past he's pretty pr- pretty used to dealing with them but at this point he's been trapped in like an entirely uh, natural disaster it's a whole cave in and months pass before a Johnny comes and digs him out
0: yeah and a Johnny's sent by Joyra who's been like communicating him with with him through these like message things that have kind of like a tracker on them and essentially he's Joyra just notices that Karn hasn't moved in months <laughs> and she's like hey Johnny go go check on him cuz uh, he's Probably gotten into some trouble. Um, so that that happens. Johnny breaks him out, and then they all walk to these peace talks that are going on between uh the Benelish and the Keldons. And so there are two different regions, Keldon and Benalia, two different regions on Dominaria. They're going through these peace talks, and we've got like all the big, big players are here. Jaya's there, Joda's there, Aaron Capuchin's there, Rada's there karn and ajani show up and karn's like hey phyrexians are here i just found proof and they're like yeah but we don't believe you <laughs> and uh then out of nowhere teferi just kind of planes walks in and he's like hey guys i heard from a friend that plain that phyrexians <laughs> are back and everybody's like oh crap the phyrexians are back
1: <laughs> it's so funny he's like i think there were phyrexians on kaldheim and i think there was some on kamigawa maybe he wasn't even there and then everyone's oh. like uh-oh yeah, it's They're totally back.
0: like like <laughs> whispered down the lane or a telephone sort of thing, where he's like, I heard from a guy who heard from a guy, yeah, who heard from a gal that there were like phyrexians on these two planes, and everybody loses their minds. They freak out, and Karn is just like really kind of butthurt that <laughs> nobody listened <laughs> to him, and then this random guy comes, shows up, and they all just believe him.
1: Mm-hmm. And as one would do when butthurt, he starts bird watching. There's this little bird that keeps like hopping on the windowsill. So it's made a point of it in the story. Um and some other things happen. They kind they like catch up with the friends. But through all this, Karn is noticing that the uh, the bird watching is taking a turn. The bird is now watching them. And he's like, oh, what's going on with this? Uh, all of a sudden, he grabs it. It kind of becomes a Phyrexian. It turns out this whole thing. If you look at the Phyrexian espionage art, it was that bird. It's it's a pretty messed up bird. And he tosses it in front of the room. He's like, hey. Check this out. And then all of a sudden the room descends into chaos. People start splitting open. Turns out there are Phyrexian sleepers among both sides, among the, uh, the the Benalish and the Kelvins.
0: Yeah, so this random dude, Sten, who is in kind of the middle of these negotiations or peace talks, who had at one point mentioned, you know, it is entirely possible that Karn is right and there might be sleeper agents, just because we haven't seen Phyrexians doesn't mean they're not here, pre-Teferi kind of telling everybody that they exist. Um this guy stands like, hey, we should all get out of here and go to this watchtower, essentially. And so they planes walk away. Or actually, I think he opens a portal, right? Joda opens a portal. Yeah, everybody... Joda does
1: some some kind of portal nonsense.
0: Before they all jump through this portal, A Johnny runs off after some Phyrexians who've stolen Aaron Capuchin. They like yeah. take him and just run away. And a Johnny chases after them.
1: I'm sure it'll be fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. What could <laughs> <It's> happen? It's a Johnny. Yeah. Joda opens a portal. They all jump through the portal into uh, this tower, but and Jaya just kind of like burns the whole room to the ground that they were just in. But before the portal closes, a Phyrexian of some kind slips through the portal and is now lost and loose through this tower. And in order to kind of prevent anybody from, uh, or, or in order to prevent the Phyrexian from getting out into the town and, you know, spreading Phyrexian nonsense, they lock the tower down and that's where we get the card temporary lockdown. And, Karn gets this idea of like, well, there's a Phyrexian loose in the tower. We know sleeper agents exist. Let's try to pull some trickery. And, you know, in Karn's own way, he's like, I'm really upset that I have to lie to my friends. But he tells them all that he's hidden the Silex in a different location.
1: And all of them are lies. Mm -hmm. Pretty clever. Uh, Pretty nice Among Us strategy. (laughs) Just kind of seeding misinformation to see who squeals. Um, And it turns out our our one uh, new character, Sten, kind of anamorphs into an antenna <laughs> as soon as Karn tells him the location. Uh, the, the description, oh, and just everything about the Frexians in this writing, super gnarly. Uh, they they spared no grisly details this time around. He like splits open and turns into a radio antenna, which. As a physicist, I have a few questions about, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, where exactly are the Phyrexians and where is everyone in the multiverse on radio technology? He turns into an antenna to like, quote unquote, relay the information back to Shieldred. Do they understand frequencies? Like yeah, also, do, do, it's just
0: like, why could they not, why did he have to physically turn himself into an antenna? Like, couldn't he have just relayed the information anyway?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, the fact that he had to physically turn himself into an antenna implies that they have like cracked molecular structure and, and that they are not even that, that they understand the photon model. And I don't know, I, I really doubt like, I don't know, I I, I guess I would want to see some <laughs> I'd want to check in with the, with the the researchers in the science department over at the uh, Tularean Community College <laughs> and see what's going on there. <laughs> But that also begs the question: Why did that bird not turn into an antenna? Like that bird
0: could clearly relay information back to Shieldred without an antenna. Thing. That's true. I like, guess. Why couldn't maybe Sten the,
1: just do that? I don't know. The <laughs> bird was going to fly there. Meanwhile, Sten had to pull off some photoelectric effect nonsense. <laughs> to, to, uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, the, the antenna bit got me. That that's it's campy though. So I guess I'll allow it.
0: Right. So meanwhile, uh, the heroes kind of realize, like. Well, Sten is the one who recommended we came to this tower in the first place, which probably is really bad for us, given that he's a Phyrexian. So they get some help coming in from the Weatherlight. And, or is it the Argosy at this point? Might have been I the Argosy. I think not keep track of them I think it's the Weatherlight. The Weatherlight comes and picks them up. Uh, they they kind of get off to safety while they assume the rest of this town is just like Phyrexianized or completed, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They start trying to recruit recruit other allies from various areas because clearly, okay, the Phyrexians are back, Shildred's back. This was like a massive war in the past. We need to ally with other regions of Dominaria and make sure that we actually can stop these folks before they accomplish whatever plan Shildred has for Dominaria. So we've got dragons, we've got elves, we've got a bunch of big trees, we've got, uh, well, the mana rig. And and if you know what that is, you probably qualify for senior discounts (laughs) because... (laughs) <laughs> that's a card that really, yeah, like...
1: Yeah, that that's referenced since the beginning of Magic. And I think they finally made a card for it in one of the new commander sets.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's, a, it's in, uh, I think, the Dominar United commander set.
1: So anyway, it kind of devolves into this whole big battle where Shoulder confronts our our heroes. Uh, kind of amid this fight, uh, the mana rig is firing all cylinders. There's dragons floating around and fighting the now-completed Weatherlight, which... That, that that's unfortunate so i don't know how they're gonna get the weatherlight back after this one uh anyway there's this big climactic scene on the bridge uh on kind of like the, the main deck of the Matter rig shieldra kind of slithers up uh, her body is large but her little head thing is small i guess so anyway they're hanging out there and uh just when things look like they're going pretty well there's some trickery with uh the silex and Karin ends up bringing it out and the moment he does Shildred pulls a winter soldier with a Johnny, except instead of going a longing rusted 17 daybreak, uh, she just goes, hey, Johnny, I need you to kill Jaya and smash the soup bowl, which he (laughs) does immediately.
0: Yeah, he plunges an axe into Jaya's back, pushes her off the tower, off the mana rig, smashes the soup bowl, as it were. And (laughs) it's kind of interesting because like up to that point, Johnny was helping them fight the Phyrexians. It's not like oh, he yeah, was just fully. like off in the, you know, behind the scenes, trying not to actually interact with anything and, and just kind of taking a back seat until she was like, all right, now, uh, he was like seemingly unaware of the fact that he was completed. Until he, yeah. She told like, him, yeah. Like his last moments were him being like terrified and stunned at the fact that, Oh crap, I'm, I'm completed.
1: Which sucks for, for Ajani. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, but anyway, I, I guess children knew that they would need a powerful planeswalker to actually, you know, be able to, like, take Jaya and, and Karn if needed, uh, which Johnny is up there. Even Karn throughout the stories mentions, like, geez, Johnny is, like, shredded. <laughs> like, <laughs> or Johnny is, like, has these, like, super sensitive ears. He can, like, hear the conversation from, like a mile away or, or like, oh, look at him cleaving through these rocks or whatever. Um Anyway, the the manor rig gets manor rigged to explode, and then uh, while the heroes kind of win the day in the end, uh, Shildred manages to get away with Ajani and Karn, um, who is brought before Elish Norn. And Karn has some interesting relationships with these praetors because they all kind of see him as a father figure, as as weird as that is. Uh, Just a very, very disappointed dad.
0: Yeah. And so the very like end of the main story, we see Karn brought before Elish Norn and he sees like this tree growing out of white sand or whatever. And he's like, what's that? And children's like, or, sorry, Elish Norn is like the beginning of everything. And that's kind of where things end.
1: What <laughs> <Yikes>. um, What?
0: <laughs> <clears throat> are, are they like trying to become organic? Or something I don't
1: I have a feeling I know where this goes although I did also look into some of those leaks that happened a while back about like the magic art book and I think I see where this tree thing is growing um without spoiling anything too big just from something you can glean from the story as is there was another tree recently involved uh in magic story that the Frexians were interested in
0: sure was leave that to the listener to uh sift through and figure out mm-hmm. there were some pretty cool side stories I will say uh, and this is kind of starting to segue into some of the other stuff. One of the characters that didn't show up at all in the main story, but was obviously very, uh, cool for players to see was Liliana. Mm. You know, we got a reprint of Liliana, the veil in this set, but she doesn't show up in the main story at all. She has this little like side story with the Raven man, um, where she like briefly comes to Dominaria, but she doesn't really play a role in the main story.
1: Yeah. We end up finding out that the Raven man is Lim duel the necromancer. We probably should have put a spoiler warning on this, but if people are listening to this section, they know what they're in for. Um, and another little thing, Squee is no longer unkillable as of the end of his story. So uh, the squeeze story is pretty funny. Um, he has this, I, I, I guess I don't know much about his background, but I guess he has like kind of two curses on him at once. One that like keeps his soul trapped for eternity in his body. another that keeps his body returning over and over again. So uh, he, he is, you can't exile him and you can't kill him. Basically <laughs> like the flavor plays out pretty well. Um, but then he ends up going through some things with some Phyrexians and seems like he might just have one more shot at life. So who knows? Uh, I guess we'll see where Squee goes.
0: All right. So first up, we're, we're going to highlight some cards that we found really interesting in the set from either a flavor perspective or the way they played out in the format or art or whatever. But before we do, dishonorable mentions. We always do this. We only have one this this uh, this set. And it's a pretty big one, in my opinion. The Golden Argosi. I I don't get this card because it like doesn't work with the, the story of what the thing is. I mean, the main, the main issue is that it doesn't have flying. That's and the only reason. Clearly, <laughs> it's clearly like in the art, it clearly is flying in the story. It clearly flies.
1: Yeah. Don't know yeah. why they didn't give this flying. I mean, I, it, it just seems so straightforward. Like the weather, like obviously has flying as well. This one doesn't have to like stay near the surface of the water either. Just like it shows in the art. This thing can just go anywhere, which a little curious about how these flying ships work. These feel like they may be from a different era as well. Um, again, can't be, I'll allow it, but this thing is flying.
0: Oh, and speaking of different era, one thing I didn't mention in the, the other story section, that's pretty important is now once, once a Johnny takes Karn away, right? The rest of the heroes are kind of like, all right, well, we need to figure out a way to deal with these Praetors before they can do whatever it is they're trying to do, which the heroes really still don't have a full understanding of what the, the Praetors are trying to do. Yeah, And Teferi says the one thing that he said he would never do, I'm going to go back in time and figure out how they used the Silex thing because Ajani destroyed the Silex, but at the end of the story, Sahili kind of planeswalks in and she's like, hey, I can remake that based on Karn's mm-hmm. notes, but we don't know how to activate it which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Cause it's like, if she's re- rebuilding it, shouldn't she know how to turn the thing on anyway? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, T'feri's like, okay, I'm going to go back in time to the brothers war when this thing was last used and figure out how to use it from there. So we're going to get into some time loopy shenanigans. I'm sure in the next, honestly,
1: segment. I'm, I'm 100% ready for this thing to go full end game nonsense. Time travel. I, I love a good time travel story. Uh, just as much as I love poking holes in a good time travel story. So I, I'm excited to see some time travel nonsense.
0: Yeah, I, I am calling it now 100%. Everything's going to seem fine in the Brothers War. Teferi's going to mess with something accidentally, not realize he messed with it, and then he's going to come back to the present and everything's going to be completely <laughs> different.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing I would hate is if it somehow changed things to like bring back certain characters. Um, like that would make suck. Like Jaya's death meaningless or something. That that kind of thing I'm never a big fan of. Um Speaking of things I'm not a big fan of, there's not a ton of what I would call super flavorful cards in the set, which we tend to gravitate towards like fun top-down designs or things that are really evocative of something. Um, This is more like a respectful set, I would say. I I think Kamigawa was similar, uh, where it's almost paying more homage to the history of the plane. It It takes itself a little more seriously than something like Midnight Hunt, which is, you know, Halloween nonsense. Uh, so this one, it has some cool stuff in it, but um, just I guess less so and more f- uh, more focused on function than than flavor.
0: Yeah, not a whole lot of like clever top down designs. Not a whole lot of um, I don't want to say not a whole lot of interesting stuff because the cards are interesting and they we've we've talked about this before in the set where they feel very new while also not fearing mm-hmm. very, feeling very complicated or like difficult to deal with. So. Yeah, I mean, take that as you will, but there isn't a ton that like really speaks to the flavor. Even the story spotlight cards often don't really have anything to do with the story in this set.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're just going to read through a few of our our favorites because there are still plenty of great flavorful things in the set. My first one up is the Love Song of Night and Day. So this is the two and a white saga. It is read ahead. Chapter one, you and target opponent each draw two. Chapter two, create a 1-1 white bird. And chapter three, put a 1-1 counter on each of the two target creatures. So this is actually a reference to some pretty old flavor text. And I actually have an article up here on magic, uh, uh, MagicWizards.com. Uh, but it's just like the, the actual love song of Night and Day. This is from 2003. Uh, I was too young to really read the text of most Magic cards when this was put out. But um, basically, it's an actual poem uh, that kind of flows into the history of Dominaria. And uh, you can actually look it up. It is a full real poem. And it's kind of this back and forth between two lovers. And it's honestly pretty beautiful. Uh, and the love of Night and Day, uh, the art really encapsulates it. Even if the, well, I guess the the mechanics itself do because it makes you and an opponent draw two cards, night and day being his opposites. Uh, just talking about gameplay mechanic wise, uh, I, I'm just going to come out and say it now, if you skip chapter one, you're a coward. <laughs> <laughs> if you skip chapter one, you're missing out, especially with the white decks in this set. They really can just, you know, go wider than your opponent can deal with. Uh, but they do suffer from sometimes they run out of gas and sometimes they need to top deck that pump spell or that five matter removal spell that they need to bust through for the last bit of damage. Uh, this does it. And I tend to find decks where <laughs> I've had a deck with two or three love songs and they're awesome especially when you do Chapter 1. Highly recommend playing this card.
0: Hmm. I am not as high on it as you, but I also don't play aggro the way you do, and clearly you're, you're bringing up wins with it. So
1: You know what you sound like?
0: A coward. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is not a card for a control deck. You don't want this in your domain decks. But um, yeah, it, it's pretty great in, in white aggro.
0: Speaking of cowards, I guess, uh, one of my favorite arts in the set and also just a phenomenally executed card in the format is Stall for Time. It's just hmm. got... I don't know, something about the icy art style with like the silvers and the blues and the whites really gets me. I, I really like the way that looks. Um, but also, I kind of wanted to use this as a as a s- soapbox, I guess, for the kicker cards in this set. Mm. It's such a refreshing take on kicker to have them be off-colored kicker costs.
1: Oh, totally. It's like
0: such a minor... Thing mechanically to change. I mean, it, it greatly impacts the way that they get included in decks, but it made the whole mechanic feel very different. It made me think about the way that I'm including these cards much differently. And I was a big fan of the stun counters too. I think that was a, a well executed mechanic for this set as well.
1: Yeah, stun counters are pretty low impact. It's almost like you barely notice the change. And on Arena, you literally don't notice the change, right? Um, but it, it's pretty nice for paper.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, it's a nice, like, refreshing update, I guess I would call it, to something like Detain which is an old mechanic that also locks down abilities. So they're, they're not entirely apples to apples, but it's, it's a nice little like way to clearly identify that, hey, your thing is tapped for more than a turn.
1: So my next card up here, it's a pair of cards, kind of a triad of cards, Timely Interference uh, and Hammerhand, particularly because Timely Interference actually appears to follow, I believe in the side story, this dude's name is Ulf. Uh, previously seen on Frantic Search in the most recent iterations of it, this student at the Teleria uh, West, who's in the Frantic Search art, frantically searching for something, I guess a particular book. But then we see on Timely Interference, uh, our, our hero here has found the book he was looking for, but then is getting chased down by some kind of frexy monstrosity. Seems to be uh, protected by a friend, looks like a viashino. and in Hammerhand, we see the continuation of the story where uh, looks like the viashino wins this battle. I like this uh, this kind of sequencing in arts, especially from uh, continuations of previous sets. That that's cool. I like that kind of world building.
0: I agree. I think that's one of the best things Magic does, especially when they're so subtle on cards like Commons like this, where like nobody's really looking twice at these cards. Sure, Timely Interference is a great card in Limited. You know, a lot of people are playing it as one drop in their in their decks. But these are just such subtle little ways to make Commons much more interesting, and really makes the set feel like something that was built cohesively together with a story behind it in a Mm -hmm. way that I think especially in this set in particular the story spotlights kind of fell flat on.
1: Yeah. It's nice to see the draft chaff get some love. Uh, Although Hammerhand is that's some chaff right there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So next up for me was Herloon Battle Him. Uh this one I picked purely for the art. I'm a big fan of these like pseudo symmetrical art styles. Um it also kind of harkens back a little bit to uh the art and it might actually be the same artist I didn't check. Uh, to to the mystical archive lightning bolt art. They look mm. the background on Battle Battleham looks relatively similar. But also, I mean I love a build your own lightning helix. Come on.
1: Oh yeah, this card's sick. Uh that artist, I think it's Dominic Meyer. Um I, I'm a I'm a big fan of their work too. I, I've seen other stuff um that that kind of symmetrical of uh which I actually really love in my next card, Wiley Becker. Uh, This is one of my favorite arts in the set and on prayer of binding Um, ever since her soul shatter back in, um, in ZNR, I have kept an eye on, on Wiley Becker in every set there's usually one or two very impressive pieces from her.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Speaking of amazing art, uh, I have to throw a shout out to the stained glass alt arts, particularly Mm -hmm. King Darian, but also just because King Darian was a phenomenal card in the format. One of those cards that like you, that's, you know, this didn't feel to me like too much of a a princy format. You know, there weren't a ton of super, super impactful rares. There were some good ones, but like King Darien's one of them. King Darien feels yeah. like, you see this on three and you're just like, I don't know how I win this game.
1: <laughs> like, like I
0: need removal now or I lose. Uh, and just a very cool kind of design for this card. I think it does a lot of stuff without feeling too complex and that's really awesome. But yeah, those stained glass arts are
1: incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can brag and say that I had the privilege of curving baird the argivian recruiter into king darien king darien pumped baird baird made a 1-1 which became a 2-2 and then you just keep going from there just a free 2-2 every turn you know no big deal
0: yeah it's also nice that he's like this army in a can that just builds up and then eventually somebody tries to board wife and you're like nah just sack (laughs) darien and kill
1: you (laughs) yep uh my last card here probably my favorite like I said, there's not too many functional flavor cards here. So this is a bit of a light flavor town, to be honest, but I love Sarah Paragon. Probably my favorite card out of this set. Um definitely oh looking boy, to pick up a copy or two. Surprise, for, surprise. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a sucker for a good angel. And this this one's sick. And also it has great mechanical ability too. I mean, getting a three-drop back from uh from the graveyard each turn. And then I like I actually really like this kind of additional text that gain to life uh, and exile the thing instead. She's clearly calling back this soldier for one last fight. And then when they're done, they head off to Sarah's realm, I guess, or uh, with some nice life gain there uh, to, to go with it. Um, I, I, I really have to I mean, I, I love playing this card in limited in the set. The coolest thing I got to do, uh, it does require nine mana, but I was I was basically dead on board to my opponent. But I top deck Sarah Paragon in a red white aggro deck. I have a Kelden strike team in my graveyard, uh, and you can actually kick it. So I I cast Sarah Paragon, I kick Kelden strike team, it gives Sarah Paragon haste, and I swing for lethal on the spot. Oh, God, that's disgusting. It was brutal. And this was during the uh, the open, too. (laughs)
0: Sarah Paragon is probably the card in the set where I'm like, I see that and I don't have removal in my hand. I just scoop like yep. it's such a good card. Yep. My last card was Ellis Ilkor. core. This is one that just feels so satisfying in one card. It didn't actually, I mean, it's a good card in this format. It's not as good as it could be in other formats, but a two mana two, two with just the beautiful symmetry of the drain effects going on, uh, absolutely my cup of tea
1: so before we bounce today we just wanted to share some thoughts on infinity it was honestly a great time uh one of the more stressful parts of the night actually happened before we even touched any magic cards do you, do you want to recount that tale
0: sure so the plan was we had a 7 p.m start time for the draft the plan was we were going to get to a restaurant that's literally right next to the st- the, the local game store at five thirty, eat some dinner like just an hour and a half to order get our dinner get out of there and walk next door Both of us hit terrible traffic, and somehow I ended up getting there before Ben, even though he lives much closer. And whoops, I yeah, I don't know, I mean, whatever, (laughs) no Uh, comment. (laughs) But we ordered, and then like our waiter took quite a lot of time to get us our food and drinks. Do you remember what I said?
1: I I said when we got there, I was like, unless it takes forty five minutes for burgers to come out, I think we're fine. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and it took about that i mean we we didn't uh and at one point we were even like hey we're like in a big rush we've got to leave in like 15 minutes can can we like you know sorry to spring this on you but can you do something to speed this up because we, we gotta go can we get boxes already like before our food even got there um and uh so basically that's what happened our food arrived we scarfed down a couple of fries put everything in a box left and then uh did our draft and ate during deck building
1: <laughs> <laughs> now don't forget the part where i ran over from the restaurant to the game store asked how much time we had. They told me about five minutes before the draft. I mean, this was a a big release event. This was the Unfinity release party. I mean, there were like three pods about to fire, but we're not gonna hold up all those people. So they were like, you got five minutes. So I run back over to the restaurant, which is again, like 30 seconds worth of running. Uh, And uh, just as I got there, our food got there. So the timing did work out. We did get to do some things anyway. We got to eat. Got to hang out with some some folks that we know who you heard some on the show last week, right? Um, And honestly, just the actual playing it out. Attractions, really fun, really funny. The set is great. Um, I'm probably going to make a Mira Un-Commander deck just because I, I really enjoyed Attractions so much and she's just a, a bonkers Attractions payoff. Uh, I'm going to try to make it only Un-Cards or as many Un-Cards as I can get.
0: I did open a Mira. I, I drafted a Mira in that draft. So if you need a copy, I, I've got you.
1: Ooh, I might have to take up on that.
0: Yeah, I mean otherwise it was it was really fun. My deck was really meh. I like had no idea what I was playing and then ended up just taking like colors cards in the same color and and hoping that it worked out. And it kind of did. It was okay. I did end up drafting uh the Carnival of Legends or whatever, that, that attraction that like lets you name legendaries and do things with them yeah um which was a little more hassle than
1: i was ready for but (laughs) so many of the cards end up being more like hassle than they're worth the dice stacking one that gives you squirrels basically impossible
0: stickers were just not they were not a hit i i'm gonna i'm gonna throw that out there maybe controversial i didn't like the stickers yeah they were fun for about the first 30 seconds and then after that i was like wait i need to take these off every game and i need to like take time to take them put them on cards every game and uh, yeah
1: and they're much. like designed that you can take them on and put them off so they're not actually that sticky so they're like falling off each other but they yep. stick to themselves i was hoping that i would have good quality stickers that i could just stick on my computer or laptop or something but i don't think these stickers will actually stick
0: i honestly would have just rather them be token like counters like they used to do for yeah. like the punch out counters um but otherwise it was really fun hats did matter there were tons of people there were two people in in the the night who drafted the um exit through the grift shop so we had we had betting wars going on and a bunch of people were bidding ridiculous life we even had like a few few people ben included uh bet like almost their entire life total to their (laughs) own opponents
1: bet (laughs) i actually won one of the bets because i bet basically my whole life total i was at like above 20 and i bet myself down to six to get a a, a kill spell for my opponent so I, i basically paid like 15, I think I bought paid 14 life, uh, to end up like dealing like four damage to one of their creatures. It, it was pretty sick.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, that, that was pretty much it. The highlights, uh, were the, the shenanigans in the beginning and then, uh, actually getting to play. Oh, also Ben and I got paired on the first round. So the, it hasn't happened in a while and it was you know, no better set than this for us to do that.
1: It was, it was honestly the ideal time. And we got to play with other friends th- throughout the night, which is cool. Um, m- one of my highlights, I had Carnival Barker, the uh, the little dog where um, you have to tap it and then you have to laud a creature you control, which basically just means you have to get as many people to agree and be like, yeah, that is a good creature. And it's the one where however many people clap for your speech, it gets plus X plus O. And I mean, you saw I got the whole floor clapping and I counted 14 people at least, but there were probably more. And I did kill my opponent on the spot with it. It it was sick.
0: To be fair, Ben, Ben actually stood up and he has a very loud voice when he wants to. So, you know, he was able to reach the whole room. It Um, is kind
1: of my job to be a public speaker in order. So that kind of thing, my heart was was beaten. I'll admit, but uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it.
0: Yeah. But I, the thing was like, you ended your speech with, if you, if you clap for me, I'll stop talking and every the whole room just like started, started clapping. Uh, so you did a good job with that one. I mean, that was, that was well, well thought
1: out. Yeah. I won the game. Right. And the next day I played some unfitly with just with some friends and, uh, I got myself two shocks out of it. So honestly, just, I guess I made back some of the value, uh, just a, a good time. This is the kind of thing you want to do exactly once. And, uh, I did it. It, I guess once and a half and honestly I'm I'm set. It was a good time.
0: Well, that does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, check out the Discord if you're not already in it. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Huge thanks to everybody who's supporting us there. It keeps us doing this every week. And hopefully you guys all got to enjoy some Unfinity this week. If not, give it a go. I think it's uh it's worth going once or
1: twice. Just a quick little sign off here. Um our next episode, it's going to be a little bit bare, uh, bare bones. Uh, I, I guess you could say it's, it's going to kind of be like a, almost like a Frankenstein's monster of an episode kind of stitched together from different things. Um, you don't want to ghost us on the next episode. That's all.
0: And who knows? There may be treats. There may be some tricks.
1: <laughs> there, there will be some of both.